Welcome to the very latest Studs Up in association with Ozchecker and Skybet, where we are leading up to the world-famous Cheltenham Festival, which is just a couple of weeks away now. And each week, I'm joined by my Studs Up strike partner, Mr. Charlie Austin, a man in red-hot form with another couple of goals to his name. Unfortunately, though, Chaz, they weren't in victory, so... Personally good, but team-wise not so good in the last seven days. How would you sum it up? Collectively, mate, I, I think I'd trade the two goals in for the two wins. Definitely, mate. We've got to continue that run. F- meant nothing at Birmingham. We scored and then we conceded two late goals. You know, it kind of killed momentum. And then we go into the game on Wednesday night against Barnsley and look, we just didn't perform. Uh, I think it's going to be a theme throughout the course of the podcast, actually, dressing room bust-ups, because we saw um, Rashford and Maguire have a go at each other. Newcastle, we heard about them. But you had a bit of a set-to with Jeff Cameron, is that right? Yeah, but it wasn't such a... It got blown hat a bit. It was just like a heat, not a heated debate or nothing. Like he had his opinion and, and that was it. But it happens in dressing rooms. It's easy to say it don't, but it certainly does all over. And like you say, you see it the other night with Rashford and Maguire. And people that say it don't happen at football clubs are lying. Yeah, but speaking of dressing room, um, you know, set twos, if you like, in the in the mail this week. Meanwhile, some in the dressing room. This is regards to Newcastle and the, the news that came through there. Some in the dressing room were annoyed when they feel that John Joe Shelby gave an interview on a podcast last week, in which he praised <laughs> Steve Bruce. A source said it did not go down well among the players. They're saying John Joe looked like a hostage in the video, as if he was being forced to say it. Just to clarify, we didn't force John Joe to say anything. But look, amazing what you were saying and we were discussing on last week's podcast that you need to have a togetherness and a team spirit when you're in a relegation scrap. Something got leaked this week. It got um, played out in front of the media, which wasn't good. And that doesn't bode well for Newcastle, does it? No, of course. And do you know, that was what we were saying. Now, that's what I was getting on about. Look, things can't get out in the press because the moment it does, then there's leaks. And then you're thinking, what else can be leaked out to the press? And it kind of hurts. John Joe wasn't older. We had a good conversation for an hour and 20 minutes and he was very honest and he spoke very well. And and I come away from the from the podcast thinking, do you know what? I've got a lot of time for John Joe mm. Shelby. And he was really positive as well. Very. What do you think he was going to say? Of course, he was going to back the manager. He has trust in the manager getting Newcastle out of the situation that mm. they're in. Yeah. I just find it tough. Look, things got leaked and, and that was it. But look, I, I think for me, I think we should move on from, from the John Joe Shelby subject because I feel like the biggest sports story this week has been about trainer Gordon Elliott. Mm. The BHA have temporarily banned him from racing in Britain after his pictures sitting on a dead horse. Ollie, what are your thoughts about what he's done and the damage it's done to racing in the UK? Look, I, I think uh, there's a lot that will be played out over the next 24, 48 hours, depending on when people are listening to this. So we'll await news from the IHRB, the Irish Horse Racing Regulatory Bodies um, investigation, which is um, unfolding on Friday. So we'll find out, I think, uh, on Friday what the punishment for for Gordon Elliott will be. In, in my lifetime, I don't think there has ever been anything that has happened in racing that has caused more damage to the sport than what has unfolded this week um and and I don't say that lightly I've, I've really thought about it and um it's it's it is indefensible you you cannot justify what happened to anyone racing fan or non-racing fan um and I think 
you you hear sometimes in racing you hear when sort of gambles try to happen and they then you hear at the, the headline afterwards oh this is, does nothing for punter confidence and how does this look for racing and people will lose trust in the sport well the reality in those situations is that the only people that are aware of that are people in racing if you walked into the supermarket and you said oh did you did you hear Barney Curley like try to land a gamble they'd all turn around and go who what are you on about but if I walked into the supermarket now in light of what happened this week and I said did you see that photo regarding Gordon Elliott I think 99 out of 100 people would say yes and if you were ambivalent about racing beforehand or a or an or a non-racing fan you will we will never get those people back into the sport I don't think because of of this picture and so therefore there there is a real onus on people within the sport to ensure that we listen and we improve as a whole to make sure that people who have lost trust in this sport feel safe and secure that racing is doing the right thing and someone said very correctly that that racing operates under a sort of social contract that horses are looked after and cared for both when they're racing and in retirement and that has that contract's been breached in the worst possible way by this image and so i think it's really important as i say that racing is able to show moving forward um that it is doing the right things uh, consistently across the board uh, to make sure that people who who doubt racing now are, are shown what a brilliant sport it is and that these animals that are just so um, wonderful, these these incredibly athletic, talented animals, and show that they are really cared for because a lot of times, and this is the final thing I'll say on it, you hear the line, these horses are treated like they live in a five-star hotel and what have you. That isn't good enough, that line anymore. We need to do more to prove to people uh, who doubt the sport, uh, that that is the case. Because I see it every day working in it. I see how well these horses are cared for. But there will be lots of people that don't even give racing um, the opportunity to to witness it for themselves now because they've given up on the sport. So we've got a big job on our hands. And the final thing I'd say, which is something that has been talked about on social media more recently, but people are criticising Gordon Elliott for sh- not showing any empathy towards a dead animal. And it is impossible to justify, and his actions were 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 brain dead beyond belief. Um, but in criticising Gordon Elliott on social media for not showing empathy, I just urge people to show empathy in whatever they decide to post, tweet, talk about, because uh, this has ramifications for a lot of people, and um. Uh, it's not an easy time, as you can imagine, for Gordon Elliott. His life and his world has been turned upside down. He has lost everything, but uh, I hope people can find it in their hearts to forgive him and be empathetic in their assessment of things um, during what is an incredibly difficult time for the man. So, look, it's 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 the worst thing, as I say, to happen in racing. We'll find out more about it, but um, there's a lot that racing needs to do in light of what happened. And I'm sure that the people in, in power will will do what needs to be done to restore the, the faith in the sport that I and so many people have. Um, but look, should we move on, Chaz? Because we could be here all day I talking about so, Gordon Elliott. Um, I, I think so. I, I hope that, look, I ho- it's a really important topic and I hope it that covered it to, to a point okay, because um, we have got some great racing on the horizon. And look, on Studs Up, we build up towards Cheltenham, which is just around the corner. And, 
as always, we're joined by a special guest from the world of football who has an interest in horse racing. And I'm delighted to say that uh, we're joined by an, an absolute legend of the sport. He's, his career, actually, Chaz, is a bit like yours because he started off in the, the non-league game and then rose to the top of the tree. Um, it's a big studs up welcome to Ian Dowie, who joins us in the studs up dressing room. Ian, thanks for, for joining us. How are you, mate? Pleasure. Very good. Good to see you both. Um, once again, Ian, 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 I just, do you know what I was going, sorry, I was going through your um, career and I just, when I see that you you started and got released from Southampton, yeah, for being too small, is that right? Yeah, it's true, that's true, yeah. When you went to the, I was five, six, 16, yeah. What? Was you? And and then when you went to the non-league, yeah. How long was it till you grew, you know, like into a, into so a man signed, or whatever? I signed, no, I signed pro after I finished my master's degree. So that was 23 I signed pro. So I was in the Did game you? for probably, probably signed, probably started playing non-league 18. Sort of grew about 90, I started to get a bit. And 20, 20, I was probably fully grown, if you like. And then, and listen, I've got to say, this, the, the, the initial release from Southampton destroyed me. It took a lot of the confidence. So I took a lot of time to get that back. Um, you know, and to be fair, you know, as you know, Chaz, it's an important thing to have to have a lot of confidence when you're a striker. And, and you yeah. know, I just, I just, you know, before I signed pro, I just did one of them seasons where I'd, I'd got 32 goals by Christmas. So it was, I had four. How many? Wouldn't say it. By Christmas, I got when, 10 in the FA Cup. Did so, you? Um, yeah. Oh, because you have to play through all them rounds. Yeah, yeah. And to be fair, to be fair to you, you you're. You're a much more frequent goal scorer than I was, but for me that was a, that was a that was a, a br- brilliant tally. So I ended up going to Luton. It was a brilliant place to go for me in the end because of the quality of people that were in there. I mean, the quality of people in that dressing room: Mick Harford, Steve Foster, Danny Wilson, uh, Ricky Hill, Mal Donerkey, Ashley Grimes. Staggering, you know, array of talent. Um, and, you know, Kingsley Black, Tim Breaker, just people. Ray Harford, who I've mad. Magnificent amount of respect for, and he signed me again at QPR later on, but sadly not here anymore. But you know, the dressing room helped me, even though I was 23 and a, a you know, not a man, but well, almost a man, if of you course. like. It really helped me. Before that, you got a degree in was it mechanical engineering? Yeah. Is it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, I, I've got my dad was always very, very studious with that, as with my mum, no longer with us, both of them, unfortunately. But you know, so I finished, well, I got released and my dad said, you know, I got contract your education, blah, blah, blah. I went in, I, got, I went and did a degree in aeronautical engineering and did a master's. So I was working as a, I was actually, before I signed, I was working as a test engineer uh, for missiles. And hence, you know, um, I got a name of the rocket man or whatever it was. And but, but funny enough, my mum and dad were from Belfast and, you know, came up with a Protestant upbringing. And I scored last minute against, I think it was, might have been West Brom or Norwich, I think. We won 3-2 at home. And I scored the goal in the last 30 seconds. And the headline in the in the Daily Star was, Dowie whips out his weapon to poking last cast winner. <laughs> <laughs> which, 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 to be fair, anyone, any, anyone knows my weapon, it doesn't poke out that far. But, um, <laughs> you know, it, to be fair, it was, it was my mum. My mum refused to, she, my dad bought the paper, but my, my mum refused, refused to look at the article. So, But you would, you would have been on... Less well, were you on less money when you went to Luton than you would have been when you were working on the missiles? Well, I was 12, I think I was 22 9 
at twenty two thousand nine hundred. I, I signed for twenty four five. Right. So um, yeah. So it, it's what it was. So um, you know, that's two thousand twenty four thousand five hundred at the time. So in nineteen eighty nine. But um, you know, it's, it's what it was. I, I always had a love of it. I believed I could do it. Um, and I think an interesting thing in that my my, my first game was on the Tuesday of week up week and a half later we played in the Simod Cup and we played against Crystal Palace we got beat 4-1 I scored the winner and as I'm as I'm taking my gear off after the game it's a good story and, and Steve Foster looks over to me and says don't worry about them boots you'll be going straight back to non-league don't worry about that so I put the boots in my bag anyway I was going home at night when my mum and, my mum and dad came to the game again this was part of different era Chad but yeah. and by the way Fozzie, Fozzie was magnet, not just good incredible with me amazing so I'm driving back my dad said what's the matter I said, I said just something's irking me he said well what what I said well Steve Foster said something to me and uh, um, he said this and I just think I need to, I need to react he said well, what do you want to do he said I, said I want to smash him he said well smash him smash him so I, I Thursday morning we play a game ball goes out to him he, got, he touched it. I don't even think about it. He plays up the line. I smash him. And he got on the plastic. Boom, he, he jumps up and the lads were running over. And Steve Foster said, you might have a chance, you. No yeah, way. it was part of a little test. Yeah, yeah. little education. A little, little, little education to say, it's not easy to come here. This is a hard profession. You've got to be, you know, they probably knew that I could put it about a bit. But, you know, my view is, nonetheless, at that level, as, as Chaz said, there were some players in there who were big players, you know, and, and it was really good. From that minute on, he couldn't have been better with me. He was fantastic. It's, it's funny you say that. It's funny you say that. I think that side of it, even now, mate, is, is gone out of the game. You know, trying to get a reaction out of the younger lads. Now, I think you've almost got to have a different a different approach now, which is a sad thing. So I had it when it's coming, obviously, to Swindon and stuff. You want to prove mm-hmm. yourself. But the only real way you can do it is by winding through someone. Do you, do you know what I mean? That's the old, the old-fashioned way. That's how you earn the respect. Yeah, yes, did, mate. When, when you, when you were coming through from non-league and you went into professional ranks, did anyone say to you like, you don't have what it takes, or you're this, you're that? Yeah, a few of them because I was going. I had a pair of Copa Mundials. I was like Jimmy yeah, Grimble, mate. <laughs> I was like Jimmy Grimble coming from when I was playing from Paul Town, and obviously everyone was looking at me like, oh, what's going? Like, what's him? I always remember doing a shooting session at Swindon. Right, I was on trial at the time. I shot at. He saved it. I just ran up, mate. Ball, he must have about eight yards out and walloped this ball. It flew straight. Past. If it hit him in the face, I promise you, it had knocked him out. Straight, he kind of gave me the big stare. Now I realise in professional game, when you shoot, if you miss, like if the keeper saves it in the in the training, you just kind of move on from in I didn't care. I, had to, I was rough and ready. And I think that's what helped me go on for the next two, three years mm-hmm. and build yeah. a platform. Do you know what I mean? Great memories from your time at Luton and it really sounds like it and a really good foundation for you. But from there, you got picked up. You went to Southampton. I think you went West Ham briefly, but then Southampton with Shearer, who Charlie has mentioned on this podcast, was his idol growing up, and Letizia. So when you're with players of that calibre, what are you you now thinking? I mean, were were they different class when you were... I mean, obviously, we know them as different class, but... Alan was was young, you know, and, you know, incredibly raw... Powerful, had a, a bullet of a, a right foot. Could you tell he was different right though? Foot. Even though, he's yeah, young. yeah, he's wire, he was wiry. You know, when you're quicker with the ball than without the ball. You know, Alan was one of them, and he, he remained that way. And I, listen, I'm big friends with him now. He's, he's, 
paper for my wife's charity. So in terms of, we, we get on great. Listen, would I have said he'd gone on to do what he did then? Of course, no, no, no one would have known that at the time. Yeah. But, you know, what he, what he had was a fearless, fearsome determination. Because I remember him actually, we used to have a thing called Terrorborn a Friday. It sounds bizarre now. We, we, like, so in Southampton, which as we know, well, in, the, in the old Dell, there was a little room. And it, well, not a room, it was a gym. was a gym, but it was just a brick wall. And they had bars on it. And we played five a side on the Friday before the game on the Saturday. And it was, we had, in my team, most of the time, was Razor, Terry Herlock, Franny Benali, me. And so no one wanted to play against yeah. us because all we do were kids. And it was, it was I, I've got to say, I remember Paul Ryder and Alan Shearer had a, a, a little bust up. And Alan bumped him you know, after the game. They had another day. They went together and Alan bumped him into the wall. And he smashed his head against his head and pouring with blood because it was normal brick wall. That, and that was that was Friday preparation before the game. We played with, and and the lads loved it. They, you couldn't not do it. They wouldn't have had yeah. it. It was part of what we did, and it was, it, you know, there was there's some some fantastic people there. Letizia was a was, I mean, he's a good, he's a really good golfer. As is Alan. They're both brilliant golfers. But I'm saying, Letizia stroke. I've never seen anyone hit a, a football like him. You know, it was different. It was like that. Carlos Alberto free kick every time he hit one it was like that like, I'm, I'm not being funny this is true story he came in and he was all last in for training because people said he wasn't fit that's untrue he was he was a good a good athlete Matthew you, you know and, and a great lad but he'd come out maybe half ten as we start training he'd throw a ball and it bounced on the halfway line he said where do you want it lads we'd all say crossbar he hit the crossbar three out of five times from halfway line and it sounds bizarre but he would I mean he's the best ball striker I've seen uh, you know, up close, because Tim Flowers, before he went to the move to Blackburn, no one could beat him. He was outstanding. He couldn't, he couldn't touch him. He would start that ball outside the post, but a yard or two, and hit it with so much power, but effortless yeah. power, and it would go right in the top corner. It's unstoppable. Have you? And he, he, yeah, you know, it's just, it's just natural. Was there anyone you played with, Chaz, who's sort of that graceful with a football? Yeah, James Ward Prowse. Really? Sure, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. The, honestly, but this is a, he not he practiced every day. Every day I was there with him for three and a half years, and I reckon for three years, about the whole time, he practiced every day. A bag of balls down the bottom end, four mannequins up and over the wall, up and over the wall, constantly. And then it's no place that he's doing it that he's been doing it this no. year. Do you know what I mean? He's adding goals to his game, but the corners he puts in, do you know what I mean? Wide free kicks, unreal. And now. If you give a free kick on the edge of the box, it's almost like a penalty to them. He's got that much ability. He can go up and over the wall. He can go to keeper's side, whatever. For me, was he's the one that does that, mate. He definitely. We'll, um, we'll touch on the best player and the biggest influence in the studs up hat trick, which we do each week in, as you know, but yeah. we'll also get Charlie's rant. Um, so we'll touch on more of the talented players you played with. But just as we sort of whiz through your career, it seems that hard men or or hard teams I suppose were sort of a, a part of of your CV because at West Ham you had Julian Dix and players like that and, and yeah, yeah. I mean I remember Julian Dix with the sort of left foot that he had and taking penalties and whatnot but was that something that that a culture that you thrived in that sort of tough tenacious football environment? I thought you'd get a Bring up some Brazilians to compare me with. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, listen, listen, clearly, 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 what it was is 
but don't forget the time. You talk about the best teams at Arsenal. You go there, I'm not being funny. They they cleared you out. The ball got up to front man's feet. Tony Adams, my first ball up to me. I know what's coming. He's going to smash right through the back of me. See Bolt, mm. no doubt, and try to hurt you. That's 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 part of the part of the, what it was. So I think everyone had had some brutally tough players. I've, I've, you know, there's a load of tough players I played with. Dixie was the same. I mean, Dixie had great left foot and great quality. Me and him became really good friends. But we had, you know, you, you, midfielders, technical midfielders who were really gifted, couldn't not put their foot in. There was a very few that couldn't put their foot in in them days. So, do you think? Yeah. Do you think those uh, players could survive in the? Do you think a player like you could survive in the Premier League now? Do you think a player like you know that, those sort of hard men, or, or has the game completely changed? Do you reckon? I think I think the game changed a fair bit. I mean, listen, I I, I watched Chaz play the last couple of games. You know, he. he what he does do that, not being rude, that to overcome this, he's not as quick as he once was. He, he uses his body incredibly well, and that is he uses it. He just he stands in areas where, where in our day we we you sort of you attack. First thing you did was the first ball went come up, you you lay the marker down. You if I win the header, the centre half's going to whack me. If he wins the header, I'm going to whack him. That's just that was what it was. So I think um, now. That's Ian. I think now, as much as that's in the game, it's not because yeah, you get booked and it's it's a soft mm. foul and it's or it is a foul. You miss time one, like back at like if, if Tony Adams in belts belts you, like he might just say like you just think right, get I'll give you one back. You give him one, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Now it goes the other way. Now it's all about yeah. what's the ref? Did the ref sit? The linesman sit? VAR? Do you not know I mean? any kind of stuff? So. I think, I think I had a season one year where my expected stitches were about 2.5 a game. <laughs> 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 you know I mean? Never mind them anymore. Um, yes. But yeah, they didn't have expected goals, did they? It was expected stitches. Yeah, That's fantastic. No. Oh. Um, of all the hard men you played with, who would be the first name on the team sheet, whether it's a five-a-side oh. match or the sort of um, for a, a scrap in the in the bar afterwards? And, and who are play that playing against? Play, play with or against? Well, with or against actually, you must well, have come up against some pretty hard men. Listen, I played, I played, I played with it for for and against Alan McDonald, who's no longer with us. Great lad, and Mick Arthur's right up there. Mm. Um, he could hold him, hold his own, no, couldn't he? Yeah, I mean, listen, Frank Benali in terms of fearsome rattle you in a tackle. Not, not. Listen, I didn't see a lot of fighting with Franny, but Franny was. Fearsomely, and Dixie was. Dixie would cut you in two. Um, <laughs> I'd probably Mick Mick Kennedy. Yeah, one of the worst I've seen. He'd, he'd top you. I mean, listen, <laughs> not being well. He, listen, this is a true story. He signed for Luton in the season, and Graham Roger had been there a while. He'd done he he'd done Graham Rogers' kneecap totally in training, and he's one of his own players. Seriously, Graham Roger missed four or five months with. The season, not immediately. Mick was just that's the way he played, you know, and um, was a good player, Mick, as well. But just a nasty piece of work, had that ability to top you, he could top you. So, in terms of nasty intent, Mick Kennedy, in terms of all round toughness, well, well Mick, Mick was up there. I mean, Kevin Moore, who passed away from Southampton, uh, was a, was a tough lad, head of the ball. We played in a similar cup final against Forest, and he blocked a header on the line with his head. So all types of different toughness, but Mick, Mick, Mick is a physical who, who'd go to war with people. I've seen one of the best ones I've seen was him and Martin Keongo toe-to-toe, which was was a, was a real battle. So, I mean, there's loads of mystical lads that I never played with that were, yeah. that were, that were scary, tough, but 
Mick, Mick was certainly right up there. Who's the, who's the hardest person you played with or against, Chaz? Richard Dunn. Really? Really? Richard yeah. Dunn, yeah. He was... Do you know, I played Richard Dunn. Rick as well. Yeah, do you know, Ian, he, got, he gets... Don't get a lot of credit for that. He massively underrated. Yeah, obviously, yeah, honestly, at QPR, mate, back in obviously, that man could shift. Big size 11 Puma Kings. I didn't want anything to do with him on a Friday, <laughs> day before a game, mate. Nothing to do with Big Dunny, but he was someone that wore his heart on his sleeve, mate, when he played. And like you say, probably didn't the cre- get the credit that he deserved, really. But, mm. but for me, I thought he was fantastic. One of the hardest people I played against, yeah, for sure. Right, let's just move on to some of the other sort of more infamous moments in your career, Ian, if we can, because I've yeah, got to ask. I can. I've got to ask you about um, a goal that I, t- I t- when I research this show, right, I type into Google yeah. and YouTube the names of our guests, and I typed into YouTube I A, and do you know what the rest of it come up with? Ian own goal. Yeah, <laughs> Ian Dowie own goal. <laughs> so I watch it, right, and I go, well, what? How, how bad can it be? Right, clear this up Man. for me. And, and I'm sorry for having to ask this, but did you think no. you were heading into your own goal? No, no, I wasn't. <laughs> it's something. Hold on, no. Unsurprisingly, I was going for a goal trap, which is not unusual for me. Jazz doesn't have that too often, but we, I'd, I'd gone about six or seven, eight games without a goal. Anyway, I go up there and it's a windy day, and I just get it wrong, hit it off the sheriff's badge, and you know, I blame Ludo with Costco for it. But anyway, it's my fault. What about management? Because. Um, you 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 managed Ian in an era when there was what Mourinho, Fergie, Benitez. Yeah. I mean, what was it like being on the touchline in that era? Oh, very good. All of them were very good with me. Um, well, we 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 were sort of in a, a bit of a Benitez. We nearly got Salif Dow and a couple of people when I was at was at Palace. It never quite happened. Oh, that was a discussion with Benitez, but he was very good with me. Sir Alex was amazing when we beat them. I played a couple of times and they beat us comfortably but I beat them up there at Coventry so we, uh, we were beaten two nil at Old Trafford and there was 75,000 there for the cup game and he was fantastic with me that's actually a good story because I, I I went out to do my press duties and I had Frankie Bunn and Tim Flowers my assistants with me okay and so I walk in to the dress room after doing my 10 minutes of media I'm chatting away and, and as I walk in Fergie's sitting over the glass of wine. I say, by the way, the boy Anderson, who was his debut, looks a player. Well, I thought he did well, you know, given it's his debut and blah, blah, blah. I'm chatting away. Anyway, he chats away long and then he asks, I'm asking him a thousand questions and he's good as gold. He asks, he asks every single question and, and we walk out. And, and Tim, I said to Tim, Tim, what's the matter with you? He said, he said, you wouldn't believe it in there. He said, thank God you come in. He said, why? He said, he said, we walked in there after that. We're chatting away to the staff in there. So Alex walks in. He's he walks in, the whole place goes quiet. He sits down. The lad pours him a glass of wine. No one's talking. He said, eight minutes went by. You came in. You started talking. He started talking. We were standing there for eight minutes. No one said a word. It was the most embarrassing thing. He said, I was sitting there holding my beer, trying not to make a noise, drinking my bottle of beer. He said, so that sort of fear of where he was, Sir Alex, was brilliant. Mourinho, we had a 3-2. Palace had a 3-2 that Frank Frank Lampard scored a wonderful goal. Bent, he hit that middle of the goal and then bent away in top corner. So um, yeah, I've got to say I preferred managing to playing. I mean, I, I love doing it. Did you? It was just yes, I did. And it's unusual people say that, but yeah, I love doing it. I love the part. I love coaching. It was a 
always a, I mean, me and, me and my dad and my brother, my dad, my, my brother's a coach, my dad was an ex very low level, well, professional footballer in Northern Ireland, but yeah, we always loved the game and we used to analyse it and do bits and pieces about it. But, you know, I just enjoyed that bit to get, you know, to try and get the best out of individuals and shape a, 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 a way of playing or a structure that allowed you to win games. You know, listen, we, you know, people will talk about different things. I had, I had, I had John Sheridan at um, Oldham. What a, what, what a player, what a, what a man, you know, and he's, you know, he's, he's, he's battling on at Swindon now. So, but, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a great, but, Quality of player who couldn't run, who's at the end of his career, had a hole in his knee the size of the Blackwall Tunnel. You know what I mean? And yeah, yeah I just you know managing him to play. So I played, I played, th- I played three, and we split, and we let him drop in to get the ball. And he had, he just had wonderful composure. You know, he had, you couldn't, you couldn't pressurise him. We, you know, when I went to Oldham, really my first managerial job, brilliant, it was an amazing place, and just you. People, we have, you know, we've got great, we've great empathy with the team because I think they understood we were a hard-working team. I went to non-league, I got Fitzhall, I went and got Wayne Andrews, we got Ernie Cooksey, God bless yeah. him, who died died tragically before the birth of his first baby, would you believe, with skin cancer. So, but I took all them three for non-league and they were all, all went on to have good careers and Fitz had a great career, you know what I mean? And um, a handful of a lad, you know, but had technical ability to come out of years, could run like the wind, hated training. Um, but you know, loads oh. <laughs> them about. But you know, it, it, was, it, it was good. It was really good. good. Yeah, you know, we had John Sheridan, Darren Sheridan, t- pro- proper top quality players. Uh, you know, you say that. Men. You say that, Ian. Obviously, you said you speak passionately about when you was at Oldham, and that was your like part of your your grounding as as management yeah. started. And you take it through the steps of Bobsy on your managerial career, but all yeah. the stuff you had at you had at Oldham, I'm not sure anything could have uh, phased you for what you expected of when you went to what you faced really at QPR under Flavio Batori. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Listen, how was that? Well, listen, do you know what? I, I bumped into Flavio after. It sounds bizarre, like it sounds like I was doing a Skyhanger game at the studio once. I got into the lounge, was having a beer after the show, get waiting for the flight. He walked in, he went, Ian, my friend. Number one, I said, I'm chatting. He, I said, so I say to him, you do remember you sacked me, don't you? And he said, and he, and he smiled, he said, oh, yeah, football, football. And, he, and off he went. He, just, he was very polite and everything. But she asked, I, I think he had a belief of what he thought he could do and who he, who, who, you know, where he's coming from. I mean, I mean the, the story of how this, of how, I mean, it's probably a good story to tell. So I get wind. So we've we've done very well. We we not spent very any money. He came in because he wanted he was investing in the ground and doing it all up in the boxes and sort of like a Cipriani's, you know, the restaurant. It, it was becoming sort of a bit boutique to get into that area. So we hadn't really spent any money. We we, we go away to Swansea against um, Roberto Martinez. So I then dropped a point all year, I don't think. Yeah. And we went there, and their keeper gets injured. They don't have a keeper on the bench, but we don't. We're useless in the game, to be fair. I've got to say, we don't have a shot on target. But we take two points, three points. Sorry, two points. We we get off them. We get a draw. So yeah. anyway, he comes back, he, and on on Thursday he comes in. Blah blah blah. I'm a hit. I've heard he's come down. He's from his number two saying he's there's going to be a problem. And I I, I get it sort of rumbling because I've sort of to be honest, and you see it in the documentary. I, I say, well, I'm doing what I wanted. I'm not going to do what he wants me to do. So I've sort of tried to manage that way and very open with it. He was great with me initially. Went out to Italy and all that. He started to have the hump. I don't know why, because we were doing great. You know, we, I think we won 
nine, drew three and lost a couple of out of 15. So we're right in the shake-up of being up there without any money spent. And I've got, I've got a little feeling about it. Anyway, so he come and he said to me, what's the team for Saturday? And I said, well, the team, this is the team. He said, no, he's got, he's got to play and he's got to play. Just you can't got to play. You've got to, got to play. And I said, well, no, 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 you sit here. I said, I'm, I'm, this is my team. I've got to pick it. He says, Flavio Vittoria says this man has to play. I said, hold on. I said, this is, I, I tried, I've lost the name of the fellow. Anyway, I said, well, here's his record of playing over the last five years. He's hardly played. He played one game last year. Never forgot about five years ago when he played 40 games. He played one game. He's not quite up to speed yet. So he's, mm. he's not playing. So anyway, he, and he, and he, he throws his arms in the air and he storms out. So I got on the training pitch, blah, blah, blah. X, Y, and Z. Do all the training. and. I've got the lads. I said, listen, lads, there's one or two things rumbling. I know there's a lot of gossip going on. I'm just, let me tell you, this, this is the team for Saturday. If in any way this team has changed, I won't be here. And so as I walked, Gavin Marm pulled me, who's a great lad, said, Gaff, come on, the lads, get on great with you. Play, play the lad. Tomasi was. Play Tomasi and leave me out. So I said, Gav, I can't do it. I said, when, I, when I think you're better than Tomasi at the moment, I said, so it's not just saying it to it. I said, I can't do it because if I do it once with you, then I've lost it all. I can't, I can't, I can't look you in the eye. So as yes. I walk in, he's waiting, he's waiting for me with his sidekick. Who, Briatore? So, yeah, Briatore's there. And he's big, he's 6'3". So he says to me, Ian, the sidekick says to me, what's the team? I said, I look at him and I said, I've told you the team. And he went, <laughs> he nodded to his little sidekick. And his sidekick went like that and handed me a gardening leave letter. And he went, excuse my language, he went, now. So, and I said, so I say to him, why don't you tell me? Why don't you F me off? Yeah. And we're like, sort of, and he's big, we're off. Not, 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 but I was, I thought, because you're angry, I'm, I'm staring at the eye like that. Anyway, anyway, he ends up, he ends up walking away and I go in the dressing room. I call the lads in. I say, listen, this, this is what's gone on. You've been brilliant. Don't stay professional. Do what you've done all three. You work your bollocks off for me. Excuse my language, you've been brilliant. Look after yourselves and go. So, as I as we so I say, Tim 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 Flowers. I said, well, listen, Tim, sit in situ. And blah, blah. He said, no, no, I'm I'm out. Can't have that. So we we we're getting out of the car. As I drive out, is 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 sidekick. I can't remember his name anyway. Anyway, he, he waves to me, and he's always been good with me, sidekick. You know, blah, blah, blah. So I said to him, so, so, so he said, Ian, so I wind down the window. What is it? Think, think he's going to say, I'm so sorry about it. Or he said, when can we have the car back? When can we have the car back? I think, Jesus Christ, I just should put the, I zipped out the window and just drove off. It, was, it, it, it just shows you. But, um, you know, listen, I, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't have changed, I wouldn't have changed much I've done there. Uh, just picking up on what you're saying about your career, really, and like loyalty to your player, to Gavin Marne then, and your team that you want to pick was strong. But when you look through your CV... Um, Tim Flowers, obviously a guy that you've known for many years, um, but also Alan Shearer from your Southampton days. You actually helped him as yeah. assistant manager during his time at, yeah. at Newcastle, which was obviously a very turbulent period for for Newcastle. What are your memories of that yeah, time? That, oh well, listen, I've got to say, um, a magnificent football club. I've got to say, I'm not being one of the. I mean, this, they'd get 75,000 every week if they were up the top. They could get 75,000. Mm. You never really know where until you go to the club. Like, I'm not being funny. No one in Newcastle supports anyone but Newcastle. It's one of them unique clubs, magnificent football ground, 
course, the training ground, all that could be better, but it's bearable. Um, you know, just a, a massive... I mean, when we beat Middlesbrough, and, and sadly, you know, that put Gareth Southgate's knees were down. Um, and I'm, I was a mate of Gareth and playing at QPR, uh, sorry, at uh, Crystal Palace. So, and, and he's done a magnificent job with England. So, brilliant for him. Um, it, 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 it's the noise when we went 2 1 up was just beyond anything I've ever, I've never heard noise like that. I mean, listen, I've been in some vo- really volleyball stadiums you think about, severe, and, you know, and, and play, when I played internationally. The noise when we got that second goal was just like something I've never heard and never experienced before. And, and, and that will live with me in the moment. Now, in the end, we, we had a load of injuries and we got injuries to Michael Owen and everything, all that sort of thing. We never had a goal, any goal threat and, and Villa away. We were really poor in the game as well, I've got to say. Didn't get going at all. But anyway, um, in the end, it did, that didn't work out. But, you know, I, 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 if, I, if you ask me, honestly, I thought I'd seen a lot of minerals in Alan. Um, the way he wanted to go about it. I don't he doesn't. I don't know whether he'll go back in or not. I don't know. But at the time, he did a lot of good things. I mean, he's a, he's a staggering. The way he talked in front of the players about him being his club was very, very moving on the first day to anyone. Um, and so, you know, he wanted to be accountable to him. And, uh, you know, I just think in the end, they didn't think it was the right thing for him to carry on. And, you know, that that's history. But I've got to say, Magnificent people, magnificent football club, and you know, I've got a, a really, uh, I've got a great deal of regard for Steve Bruce too. So I hope that, you know, that that, that club I always want. I've got a soft spot, so I always want that club to stay up because I just think the people there were magnificent. Do you ever think, Ian, that um, would you have want to go back into management, coaching style, or do you yeah. think you you no, do want to, mate? I love it. Are you are you putting your CV? How does it work? Are you putting your CVs yeah. in for jobs? Yeah, you do the odd time. I mean, I've had a, I've had a couple of little. In, in, in some different things. I had, I had one that the lad asked me to go and um, it, was, it was a team in might have been South Africa anyway. And I can't think of the name of it anyway. But I looked on the website and at the end of the season, this was a new season, at the end of the last season, the away fans righted the pitch and burnt out the dressing room. So, I mean, listen, it's, apparently, it's, seriously, it's true. So they burnt out this. So they, they invaded the pitch from the opposition. So their away game, they had a load of fans. They, bro- they broke up the pitch. They got the game cancelled. They, they went, but they burnt out the dressing room in the ground. So um, I think I was a wise one to give away on that. So yeah, there's, that there's always one. Yeah, it is. Um, but, you know, I love to I, I love to coach. I love to organise. So, you know, when I, when I have my time doing what I'm doing now and you know, in a year or so time and got a bit more time on my hands, I'd love to get involved and, 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 and be part of it. Because, you know, since a love of mine, I love I love football. It's, it's always been a big love of mine. Um, oh, super. Just before we move on to another one of your loves, which is racing, can you just um, tell me about the story of um, Obafemi Martins at, at yeah, Newcastle? Because I've heard a, <laughs> you had a bit of a, not a run-in with listen, him. But... I, I, listen, Ober, Ober was a, a lad who played in his own way. And by the way, got one in goals against, I think, uh, uh, Middlesbrough. Um, so, yeah, so when I got there, when we got there, so, we, you know, we tried to pick because Chris Yeoman was there. Sam Allardyce had put all the all the facilities into ice baths and you know hydration tests and hydrolysis and all that sort of thing. So I asked I asked the um, as it was a fitness coach at the time to, to, to bring me the hydrolysis results, you know the hydro you know, hydration testing and who'd been in the ice bath just so we ticked it off every day. So that's fine. Anyway, so he came and there was there was a load of missing. So why is it not why is this not happening? 
And she said, no, no, okay. I said, well, listen, from now on, everyone's compulsory about going in it, in the ice bar, and, and taking a hydrolysis test, so blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I come the next day, and there's everyone but, but, but a couple of injured who, who didn't do it, and then, you know, there's over in my mind. So I said to her, oh, I said, can I, can I go have a word with him? She said, yeah, you, you do it, it's fine. So, so I said, um, over. Ice bar. After the game, you know, he always had pretending. I mean, he can speak quite good, I think, but he went to YouTube. But he used to say, Ice bar? He said, I said, yeah. He said, I said, no, you don't like it particularly, but I, need, Alan, we need you, you must do. So tomorrow you do it? He said, yeah, no problem. Anyway, next day he comes back, not on it. So I pull him in and say, Ober, I think, do you understand? Do you understand this? You've got to go in the ice bar. If not, you know, you'll have to get a fine. So, yeah, I said, you, you understand it? He said, yes, yes, no problem. I'll go in the ice bar. So anyway, come on. Anyway, it doesn't come in. So I said, so I said, well, listen, it's funny. I don't want you to deal with this because you don't laugh and you need a headache. Do you want to let me deal with it? So she said, yeah. So I said, well, listen, we'll, I'll, I'll get, them, I'll get, I'll sort what I've got to sort out because, you know, we need to find him. He said, yeah, no problem. Where you go. Anyway, I come, I come in there. Anyway, he comes in, sure enough, over, in you come. I said, yesterday. I said, Monday. I said, Ice bath? You said yes. No ice bath. Yesterday, you said ice bath. You said yes. No ice bath. Today, don't worry. Here's your M. He said, what is that? I said, it's, your, it's two weeks fine. And so he opened it. He went, no! So he said he was on, he was on serious money. It was a, it was well over 100 grand fine that he got for not doing the ice bath. So uh, he had... He had he, he, by the way, he did go in the ice bath and then on. Yeah, I bet, yeah. But would you believe, it, the, the serious thing, that I think he had a, a club flat. I believe he, he kept all his takeaways, some wrapped in bags, but in a, in a room. And they had to, when, when, he, when he had left the flat and they come to inspect it, it, they had to fumigate. I think it cost about, not the fumigate, but clean the flat was about 15 grand. So he, he, he had about months, well, I don't know how much, how long, <laughs> takeaways in a room that he hadn't put in a bin can you imagine yeah I know it's quite incredible one of the things that and obviously here on Studs Up um, massive part of what we do is about the racing and lots of people well only a very small amount of people would know that your son actually works with us on ITV Racing. He's um, one of the he runners and, he, and he's an abs- a man of the match every week. He's an absolute superstar and, and I've got a lot of time for Will, your son. Um, but obviously he's really passionate about his racing and he says when I speak to him that both you and him t- chat about the racing and stuff. So it's clearly something that's very popular in the Dowie household. Yeah, do you know what? It comes from a base for me. So I grew up in, in dressing rooms that were mad, Mad about, and listen, we played the Northern Ireland team. It was mad about race, but I had I never had any knowledge of it, Ollie. And I've, I've never never been any insight into the, you know, me looking at the sport in life and reasoning all the, which I don't do. I'm saying so for me, I love. I think it's um, I've been to loads of stables. I've been, you know, I spent a bit of time at Michael Owen's stables, which is amazing. And when you see them beasts being, and, it, and I, I agree with what you said, the way they looked after is amazing. And, to see them go out and jump and be and be close to it when you've done and I love going to races. Don't get me wrong, I love going to the events. But you know, watching watching that sport and and, and the dedication it takes to do it. And I was at the Michael Owen 
stables for, for watching how hard they work them in the morning. It was quite incredible. And Chaz, I'm going to ask you about what dressing room's like now with those that like racing. But Ian, back in the day, mm-hmm. would everyone have the sport, the old Sporting Life broadsheet yeah. and, or, or yeah. racing post? Up, and you'd all be... Sp- at, least, at least three people on a Saturday morning when we get to the ground about 11 till we pull three at home game, we get there and then we have some bit of food in the thing. They'd have four or five of that the sport in life. No way. I mean, look, 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 there's loads. And, and, and by the way, they know their stuff. They know their stuff. So, but, um, you but know, would they, um, when you come back in after a game, would they, would the first thing they do be to check the race, yeah. racing results? Yes. 1000%. They'd be, listen, we could, we, 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 we I think we got we can see the last minute equaliser. I remember the and as soon as the manager went out, one of the lads gave us fist pump. And what's that? Mean? He said, "Is is is is, is accurate coming?" So it's, it's you know, listen, <laughs> and that's not that's not. And by the way, it was a fantastic player. But my view is, I just think it gives it's a distraction away from it. I think something you're interested in. I mean, listen, I've talked to you, Ollie. I certainly know your knowledge on it. It's, you know, I don't ever profess to know anything about it, but what I do is I see the detail. It's a, the detail that goes into preparing these horses is staggering. And as a result, I see the detail Will goes when he's, you know, doing his, when he's doing his bits and pieces. And how much he loves to go down to, you know, help you out and run, a, run around off you in, down at Cheltenham or wherever the Ascot. He just enjoys it. So, it, listen, it's a fabulous sport. And... We should never, we should never forget that it. it brings so much. I mean, listen, it was a huge day in the professional footballers' calendar. Um, Chaz, we'll talk about some some of the big races at Cheltenham. Actually, now we'll take an, an opportunity to um, go on mate. to discuss some of the big races, and we'll do the 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 half time on studs up. But just before that, a bit of racing news. Many of people would have seen it. Um, Tiger Roll won't be running in the Grand National, and that is because the owners, um, the O'Leary's Jiggins Townhouse Stud, said that he was allocated an unfair weight. They said it when the weights were announced. If they thought the weight was unfair, they would not run in the race. And they've, albeit a couple of weeks after it was announced, um, they've they've stuck to their word, if you like. And in other racing news, positive racing news, which is much needed in in light of events this week, Holly Doyle the rising star of British sport, I think it's fair to say, rode a 2,514 to 1 five-timer or something around those odds. Just a, another remarkable achievement, a record breaker. What what a, a jockey she is, Chaz. Incredible, mate. I Just to go back to the first point for everything that's going on with racing over the last week or so, for, it's almost feels like another kick in the belly, mate, with Tiger Roll not running. I said it last week, the week before, it's almost like the people's horse. As yeah. much, do you know what I mean? It's it's two grand national. Do we want to see him go and run for a third? Of course we do. If he never made the third, if he got on the track and, and didn't finish or where was pulled up, then yeah, I think the people would be fine with that. The fact he's not even done up is a big disappointment, a big bitter taste, I think, it leaves in racing fans, fans' mouths. And then you have Holly Doyle, a racing superstar on the up, five-timer, fantastic. She's going to be a wrecking ball coming um, the turf season. Yeah, she really is. She could be champion jockey this year. Let's just take a quick look at the um, the champion chase and the stairs hurdle, a couple of races at Cheltenham. I'll give my views as well, but I just want a winner from you, Chaz. Um, Shaq and Poussoir in the champion chase, one of the big races coming up at the festival. Um, he's odds on and many people think is a good thing at the festival. Do you think he's a good thing, Chaz? I think Shaq and Poussoir, mate, just looks... He oozes class, mate, don't he? Let's be honest, he goes over them fences and just think 
he's just going to take Altior to put all his might to win the race. I'll tell you what it would be like, mate, and I would love it to be. Remember when Sprinter Sacra won the champion chase after coming back? Yeah, that was amazing, mate. Probably my, my uh, best uh, ever race course, that. And beat the beat the Willie Mullins horse. Give it to me, Al. Duvan or Vitor? Duvan? No. It's the blue colours, remember? Oh, Underso. Underso, yeah, sorry, mate. Sorry. Yeah, when he beat Underso that day, do you know what I mean? Kind of sprint of Sacra marched up the hill. I'd love it if Altior done that on, on Wednesday, but I just, I'm not sure. I just think Chacon Cousoir is in a different league now. There is one thing that I would flag up for um, punters with regards to the champion chases. I'm not convinced that Chacun Poursois finds a great deal off the bridle. And I think Cheltenham is a very different test given that unique uphill finish to to the courses that he's raced off, raced in Ireland. Or certainly, the, you know, it's just a completely different test for him. So, I don't know. We say a lot about the Cheltenham Hill and you need stamina and what have you. But if anything is to beat Chacun Poursoir, I think it will be in the last 50 yards where he's sort of running a little bit on empty because he's clearly very, very good. So out to your... So, okay, so out to your guts it out going up the hill? Well, that is the scenario in which out to your beats him for sure. Look, maybe Chacun Poursoir is just a much, much better horse than all of them. And I think on the evidence we've got this season, he almost certainly is. But... If yeah. we're talking about whether we want to be backing a horse at four to five, four to six, you're better off looking for the for the holes in his in his sort of armory as opposed to the 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 ways he will win. Because I can find lots of ways he will win, but there is also a way in which I can see him not winning. And when you're looking at horses, that's probably a a sensible way to play it. Does he win the the champion chase? Probably. Do I want to back him at odds on? Probably not, is how I would assess it. Whereas in the Stairs Hurdle, it's a slightly more open division. But once again, we've got maybe one of the story horses of the last couple of seasons, Charlie Paisley Park, who's back to regain his crown. Incredible. But for me, I I think I would like to see Ty Mill stick it up to Paisley Park, I think. Um, Just a bit of news. I've been actually out and about chatting to a trainer's ahead of Cheltenham and uh, spoke to Kim Bailey and Vindication might run in the stairs hurdle actually. Uh, he's leaning towards that way. I'm certainly getting the impression he's leaning towards that way. So he's actually unbeaten over hurdles and he beat Champ as a novice over hurdles. He's three from three. He hasn't run over hurdles since 2018. He could be a massive springer in the stairs hurdle market. As I say, I get the impression from Kim that the stairs hurdle is the race he's going to run in. So uh, if you're looking for anti post value, Perhaps in light of possible news coming through next week, that horse might be one that offers a bit of value. So there's a look ahead to two of the big championship races at the festival. And on next week's Studs Up, we're going to have a full and extensive preview of the Cheltenham Festival. We hope in the company of Henry de Bromhead, who now trains the likes of Envoy Allen, and would be joined by form expert Chris Dixon as well. So we'll have a, a full and detailed assessment of all of the Cheltenham Festival races. We will also, a little bit later on in this week's podcast, look ahead to this weekend's racing but it's time now i can hear it in the background the ref's whistle's gone it's half time and therefore in the half time break it's time for charlie's rant charlie what you got for us Do you know it's, it's not much of a rant because it's more of a talking point and the reason why i ranted about it two years ago two and a half years ago and i ranted about the fact that i want to see it in the game and i really did but I think we've got to talk about officiating between the West Brom and Brighton game. It was a decision that he got wrong, but VAR then continues to interfere. 
And then instead of him making the decision on the on the field, mind changes because someone's talking in his ear. That's in Stockley Park all them years, or they're miles away. It's over him blowing the whistle. He him himself would know if he blew the whistle. The people that's in the empty stadiums, the staff of West Brom and Brighton and and the lo- and the media stuff will know if he blew the whistle. And then all of a sudden, he disallows the goal, and he then goes into the into like the darkness where nobody hears from him. No one comes out to comment on what they got wrong. I just feel like sometimes I'm not digging the referees out. I'm just saying that I feel like someone from the referees association needs to be accountable for these kind of mishaps. He's got to be accountable. He blew the whistle. Do you know what? I saw a clip, an online clip, right? And it was from a, some nonsense Sunday league game, but they mic'd up the ref and they mic'd up one of the managers. And he went over and the ref went, oh, yeah, no, I think you're right. I got that wrong. And the manager and the fans and the players were all commenting very favourably, going, well, it's quite nice to see a ref put their hands up. Oh, do you, Ian, as someone who's been in the game a, a long time, various different levels, both in management and on the pit, do you think if referees came out and said, I'm sorry, I got that one wrong in post-game interviews, yeah. it would be better? Yes. I'm listen, I'm not, I've got to say, I'm not the greatest fan of Lee Mason as a referee anyway. You know, so, uh, referee-wise, I am dealing out. I don't, I don't think it's very good. Um, but yes, I think that's got to come and get things wrong. I think they rely too heavily. You know, my view is, I think VAR is helping them a lot, but you know, listen, he knew he blew the whistle. He knew mm. he blew the whistle. I mean, if you hear what Dunk says, and I don't think he's made that up. No. He said, go ahead or whatever. So Dunk, and by the way, if they've got the goal, he's given it and now has reversed it because I think he's embarrassed about what's going on. I mean, it's, listen, the whole scenario is very unfavourable. And you know, my view is, I don't think it's any good him coming out and saying sorry after the event when the goal hasn't been given. My, you know, that doesn't help. I think he would even, I would even have more admiration if he'd said, listen, I did blow the whistle and said, go ahead. Um, actually, I shouldn't have done. I've got that wrong, but the goal's been given, so I've got to stay with it. He doesn't do either way. And as a result, he gets himself in a horrible scenario where they end up, you know, and also they end up losing the game. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, bit, a bit of pill to swallow. But there's a lot of good referees out there. I've got to say, I don't think Lee Basin's one of them. Right, that's rant over for this week. But um, one of our other halftime features is that's the... quite quiet for Charlie, isn't it? That's quite yeah, quiet no. for Charlie's not been more ranting. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, that was it this week. He's mellowed since he's done studs up. But um, we do the uh, the studs up hat trick. So quick fire with you, Ian. Who's the best player you've played with in your career? With, with or against? Well, best player you've played with or against? I played against Francescoli of Uruguay. He was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Fantastic, one of the best. I've got to say, best best player I played with in a, in a team at his point was Matt Letizia, I think. Um, you know, he was absolutely staggering. You know, that, you know, just a natural talent for me. Uh, I mean, Shearer was there, but Shearer was younger at the time. Yeah. So, against Cantona, I'll tell you a quick little story. Cantona, so we played West Ham, West Ham, Man United, West Ham, and at, at, at the bowling, and the balls. And he's, he's ripping us. He's, he got that goal. Remember, he got shot in from the edge of the box when uh, Giggs did that spin down the line and hit the bar. Do you remember? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Julian, Julian Dix, he crosses the ball and, and Cantona hits it in from virtually on the on the byline into the net. Anyway, but I, I think that some part of that game, I, 
all bounce. And anyway, he doesn't see me coming. I think I'm going to nail him here. So as I go, as I, as I got to nail him, he flicks the ball, he flicks the ball through my legs. I turn around, you know, even worse now. And he then, as I go, go sort of stamp on him, he, he flicks the ball back over my head. And I, I watch, and he half volleys it. 70 yards across the pitch, right to scolds his feet, who controls it. And as he runs away, he puts his hand on my head and says, keep going, my friend. I was, <laughs> I was steamed. I had steam coming out of my ears. You know? But he was, he was, to be fair, in that game, I also seen Glenn Oddle play at Sweeper once, brilliant. But in that game, he was just a, a, a different platform than anyone else, you know, that I, that I played against. Yeah, you always hear people. I did, I did, I did, I did, I did we, we did play against uh, Zidane with it in a, in a Trial game, uh, well, not trial game, a game that when they would won the World Cup, they came to Windsor Park and we played the French side. So he was on for a little period, which was, you know, he was, I mean, if you, if, if I was saying the best player I've been on the pitch with, it would be Zidane, but he didn't, he wasn't bothered in that game for sure. <laughs> I watched that documentary about him and every sort of fourth step, he sort of double taps his toe onto the ground. It was remarkable watching yeah. him when all the cameras on him. What about the next question in the studs up, Patrick, for goal number two? Biggest influence in your career? Who was it, Ian? Well, very easy. It's my father, by a long, long way. Mm. I mean, you know, by a huge, huge amount of English. And I was, I was at Lois Deb when I was released from Southampton and took a lot of rebuilding from him and my mum, mum and dad, and both, both of them. But my dad was a football man. You know, he, he, he was the one that had me outside, run up and down the thing. And we had a stick, a bamboo stick about 40 feet long with it, hanging on the end. So I was, I'd, we'd do that, go do little sprints and then head the ball and, all them little things he spent time with drove me here and there to Southampton, all them things. So my dad was my uh, biggest influence by a long way. And finally, to complete the hat trick, most embarrassing moment in football, what would it be? Well, you've, you've already exposed him, <laughs> haven't you? I've got to say, I, I've got to say, I have. We played, I think we played Hendon, played Bromley. And I had to be allowed to leave the pitch to go because I had an unfortunate incident toilet-wise. It was occurring <laughs> occurring as I went off, by the way, to get to the toilet. So that was at Bromley, I think. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, no. So hang on, because we've heard Gary Lineker's done it. Well, we've seen Gary Lineker's done it. So you had a similar <laughs> incident in non-league. No, but I think my, my, mine was much, I think much more graphic than Gary's. Um, so I, uh, <laughs> I it, it was I just about, well, it was just saying it was, it was, it was, Coming down below the short line as I got into the tunnel, so it was it was a real serious emergency. But the, the own goal, the own the own goal is definitely, um, you know, it's, is one of the most embarrassing moments of your life, and and, and rightly so. And people uh, listen, you can't anything but smile at it. Looking back, of course, it wouldn't smile at the time. It was heartbreaking at the time. I'm a West Ham fan, but looking back, it's an incredible own goal. So, yeah, outside the toilet. With Hendon, the toilet issue, is, I'd say it was probably the own goal. Do you know what's going to happen now when we type in Ian's name into YouTube? There'll just be this yeah, clip. So. <laughs> um, okay, excellent stuff. Well, that's a hat trick done and dusted. Let's turn our attentions to this weekend's racing. And we've got the Skybet studs up double. I'll tell you about that in a moment. But this week's Skybet offer is for Cheltenham Festival. And it is a really generous one. It's money back if you lose on the opening race of the festival, the Skybet Supreme Novices Hurdle, £10 maximum refund. Uh, there are a few terms and conditions which the devilish producer that is in my ear throughout this tells me I have to read out. So here we go. This will uh, please him. It's first bet only and win singles or win part of each way singles only. Free bets and cashed out bets excluded. Terms and conditions are on the Skybet website. You've got to be 18 or over. Good luck. 
if you are playing in the Skybet Supreme at Novices Hurdle. Time for the Skybet Studs Up double. Uh, we've had, actually, we haven't had a winning double yet, but we've had three winners uh, in the five weeks we've been up and running. So it, we, we've been get, hitting the crossbar and a, each week. And a well-backed horse. <laughs> yeah. Jazz, Jazz. You've had... Jazz, who's, yes, a, who's a better tipper, you or uh, Ollie? Ollie, 3-0, mate. Is it? Ollie's, no. Ollie's had the free. Honestly, being three nil, I, I, I can't. Wow. But I've, However, been... I've gone for a four. I've, I've gone for a fourteen yeah. to one shot, backed into eleven to two. He's tipping up four to five shots. Oh yeah, I've been playing it. <laughs> I, I've been playing it pretty safe. But what have we got um, this week, Chaz? What have you gone for? I have. I've gone for this week, mate, in the three forty at Newbury. A horse trained by Paul Nichols, ridden by Bryony Frost, Hitman. That's me. Fell last time in the grade one silly novice. I was novice at Sandown. Was big favourite. Sporting John won the race. But for me, I just think this one will take take a beat. And it'll beat Stable, mate. Get away, Trump. And that's my one for this week. And I wouldn't be massively surprised if that horse won and won well, if we saw that horse in the marsh at the festival taking on Envoy Allen, given his slightly hindered preparation. So bear that in mind. My selection is in the 2.30, another informed combination of Dan Skelton and Bridget Andrews. And the horse I like is Prashima, who was formerly trained on the flat, actually by Michael Owen's operation, Tom Daskam at Manor House. Ian was alluding to that earlier. And Prashima's won his last two, I think is a very progressive horse, um, talented on the flat. I think he could be the real deal. I certainly think he's well treated off a mark of 131. So that's the uh, studs up double. You can head to the... Um, website Skybet and you can search for us in the specials in the studs up double department and you'll see how you can get on for this weekend's racing I've also got a runner this weekend two for gold is back in action at Kelso um weirdly the jockey we won at Kelso actually and the jockey got off the horse and said he didn't like the track he won at two to five he was entitled to win and that's always played in the back of my mind but he's anti-post favorite for that race and I'm not convinced he likes Kelso so it would be very interesting to see whether he's an improved horse and the, the track is okay for him. But I couldn't really be tipping him with any confidence this weekend. But I hope, obviously, that he runs well and he'll be giving it his all, that's for sure. But whether Kelso suits him, we'll find out again on Saturday. But So what you're, say- what you're saying, Ollie, to all the listeners, is your excuse ready? Well, yeah, I'm trying. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure people would be going, what does Ollie think about this horse? And I'm just sort of being honest about it. I remember when David Bass got on, because he didn't win like he should have done. He was two to five and he won by a length and a half. He should have won by 50 lengths, to be honest. And he What's did, odds this week? Well, he's about five to two in the early markets, but he might be um, a bit bigger on the day. But look, he's certainly a, a horse capable of winning off his handicap mark. It's a good little race, but... Whether the track's the right track for him, we'll, we'll find out. But um, there we go. Right, Ian, have you got any um, anti-post fancies for the Cheltenham Festival? Any big-name horses that you're looking forward to seeing in action? No, listen, I, no, no not really. I'm not, I'm not, I, don't, I don't get involved in that too much. I've got to say, I'm, I, I like to just take my time and look. I'm on morning of the day, cruise through. And I'm a great fan of looking at the in the, in the bigger broadsheets what they pick and then look at and try and mix, you know, put the four of them together and see who's back in where and then I'll choose my 
You're a little bit of a. So you you've put the. Well, tips no, 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 I'm, I'm I'm easily swayed by people who know more than me because I don't know enough. So, do you know yeah, what? Will, do you know if um if, has Will backed anything? Your son or has he got a strong fancy? I think for he definitely has. He's he's he's, he's texted me to say saying nothing better than getting a bonus ahead of Cheltenham. So he's obviously got a, a boost bonus. He, he hasn't told me what it is yet. He keeps keeps secret in case I put money on it. You see, so um, but um, that's where it is. Well, do you know what we um we we have had in the studs up. Um, guest list, if you like, they've all given us yeah. a, a, a horse for Cheltenham. Ali McCoy's went for Royal Pagai, right, in the Gold Cup. But we're going to change that because yeah. I think, looking at the markets this week, Royal Pagai's been um, been well backed in the National Hunt Chase. So do bear that in mind if you're um, if you wanted to side with Ali's selection. It's more likely, I would think, that he goes to the National Hunt Chase. Charlie Adam gave us two Envoy Allen and Hiscari at ten. Jack Court was very strong on Kill Cruitt in the bumper. Stillian Petrov went for Aplutard and Kenboy, both in the Did Gold it? Cup. And John Joe Shelby went for Kill Cruitt in the Brumper. So there's two selections for Kill Cruitt and Soaring Glory as well in the Skybet Supreme Novices, which features in the um, the offer this weekend. Can I give you a horse, in who I think is an absolute... Yes, you can. I, say, I love that. That's good. I, I say certainty. Bolly, Bolly, trust me, I'll, I'll hunt you to the end of the earth. <laughs> I'm going to back it. He, hearing your hard man stories, I definitely don't want to get on the wrong side of you. <laughs> yeah. But I think, I know I was bigging up Goshen in the champion hurdle the other day, but it's a race we looked at in detail here on Studs Up in the past. I think the more I think about it, the more I think Honeysuckle is going to be a, a really, really hard to beat in the champion hurdle. So Honeysuckle in the champion hurdle is the horse that I'm going to give you for your Cheltenham fantasy, if that's all right. That's my nickname. That's my nickname, Honeysuckle. (laughs) The missile man. Rocket man. Um, Actually, if Rocket man does ever run at the Cheltenham Festival, we have to get you on that. Get you on there. Uh, Listen, that's terrific. Chaz, where are you this weekend, mate? What have you got coming up? Uh, We've got Bristol City Saturday and then Wickham on the Tuesday. We need to win, mate. Tough game. Bristol City have won back to back. Yeah. After changing them, Nigel Pearson's in there. We know it's going to be tough. One of our games in hand is in midweek against Wickham. That's also going to be tough. They're fighting for their lives. Look, we need to get back to doing what we was doing before the week we've just had, really, mate. There's 14 games to go and there's still plenty of improvement left in the team. Although, if you don't start picking up results, the teams below you will and hope and will drag us into a situation that we don't want to get in. So you think it's you start... get in the playoffs, Jazz, or not? <sighs> I asked it'd be nice to get a go at me in. I did have a oh. go at you, I did. Not that, but it'd be nice in, of course it would, but I think these three games that we've just played has probably hindered that and kind of stopped yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, sure. But can we get to uh, 10, 9, 8 for the position of the, of the league? Nothing's really stopping yeah. us. And um, uh-huh. QPR fans will want to know that you and Jeff Cameron are back on on Chris, each other's Christmas cards list. Is that is that all sorted? Yeah, we we kissed and made up. <laughs> Happy days. We're back. On, yeah. So me, 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 me and Franny had a me and Franny Bernardo had a big punch up on the on the on the training ground one day, and the lads were like, sort of their eyes were white because it was a proper full blown tear up. But listen, afterwards we we had a lot of love for each other. Well, it's two cons down and passes over. Listen, it's as you say, you know, hot headed people. It's all part and parcel. That that's yeah. the one thing from speaking like the 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 way footballers are able just to to deal with it on the training ground where the adrenaline's up, intensity's high, put it behind you, and you, you as soon as you get in the showers or in the dressing rooms afterwards, you changing rooms afterwards, you're shaking hands and your mates again, which is great. Listen, um, Ian, you touched on it earlier, but um, there will probably be some managerial changes coming up at the end of the season. I imagine, indeed, perhaps even before the end of the season. But yeah. 
But is it something that you're actually and you're actually going to do? You're going to be sending CVs in, ringing up chairman and yeah, saying, "Look, I'm about." My, my thing is, you know, I'd like to. I, my view, I've been out of it a while now, so you know, maybe the coaching role will be something, you know, probably an easier way to route in now. That's just the way. Listen, would I love to coach and job? Yes, I would. Um, but, you know, and, and I, look at, I look at decisions being made. But listen, I don't, I've said this on air. So, you know, Frank losing his job is, is, is a terrible thing for me in lots of ways. Because, and that's not criticism of Thomas Duke, who's done a great job since coming. But, Frank, you know, you, you need time to develop managers. You know, mm. and I think you know, oh, and it's not a club to develop that because they expect success. But that's that 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 decision saddened me, and I hope Frank gets back in as soon as he can. He must get back on the horse because you know he's done some really good things at a couple of clubs. So you know, I think there's a there's a manager in there. And we want we want want players to, to you know great players to become great managers. That's who that'd be ideal. We, we wouldn't like to see Frank in. Ten years' time being manager of England, imagine how good would that be? You know, that's mm. that's you know, with his career, that'd be the, the ultimate winning. So my mm. view is, it's not an easy thing to do. It's very stressful. I I love doing it and coaching. Listen, of course, I would go into any bit. Someone offered me a head coach's job, and I thought it was right. I would do it. But um, at my stage, in what it is, you've got to be realistic. So you know, I'll, I'll, when I get the opportunity, and I'm busy with this job now that I do, I'll I'll get back in the coaching set up and I do it for nothing because I love doing it that's, um, that's great to hear listen you've been a wonderful guest um, once again we've had technical issues I cannot wait for the day when we're able to all record it in each other's <laughs> company but thank you so much for your patience for those yeah. incredible stories uh, and for Honeysuckle and as well Honeysuckle exactly and don't forget that is the biggest bag of crisps I've ever seen eaten in five minutes before we go on air it wasn't five minutes it was an hour whilst we fixed our technical <laughs> issues so I had to do something listen, Listen, good luck to Chaz as well. Have a good, good rest of the season. Tell Mark I was asking for him as well. So um, I will do, Ian. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate Stop, that. I appreciate your time. Thank you. And guys, that was my technical fault. I tell everybody, <laughs> all the listeners and stuff, I can only apologise once again. Chaz messed up. <laughs> no, no, no. Listen, we got it done and that's the main thing. And we, we thank um, all of you that are liking, subscribing, rating us on the podcast platforms that you listen to us in. And there are loads of you that are doing it the numbers have been exceptional so tell your friends get everyone listening to studs up ahead of Cheltenham and that is the one thing and this is what I would say to wrap up this week's episode this is taking us on the road to Cheltenham and we have some technical setbacks and racing indeed had its own setback this week but there will be no finer place to showcase everything that's good about the sport of racing than the Cheltenham Festival. And I hope that you are as excited as we are all here on Studs Up. Next week, we'll have a full extensive preview of what is a magical sporting event. And we will hopefully hopefully find you plenty of winners that will include for this week's special guest, Ian Dowie, Honeysuckle in the Champion Hurdle. A huge thanks to you, Ian. Thank you to Charlie Austin. Thank Thank you you to everyone who's tuned in. Cheers, Belly. We'll see you next time on Studs Up. Take care.